Hello, my name's Jerry Padfield and you're listening to my PhD cast. Welcome to PhD Casting, episode 10, which represents quarter 10 of my PhD from January 2021 to March 2021. This episode is being released a bit late in the schedule. Normally I try and release them on the first week of the month, which is the final month of the recorder. But this time, unfortunately, in common with a lot of people in academia, workload has been very stressful. There's been delays, there's been all sorts of confusion and stuff because of the impact of COVID. Usually in a show I try and interview a a researcher or a practitioner in podcasting or community radio and this time in order to try and save myself a bit of time to get the show out on schedule I decided to do a thing where I interviewed myself about my PhD which uh, in fact ended up taking more time than just interviewing someone for an hour and so that's another reason why it's a bit delayed Um, but I think it was very useful exercise. The whole point of this PhD casting podcast is to be a reflective or reflexive exercise, i.e. to feed back into my PhD the kind of things that I've lear- I'm learning as I go along. And, and normally that entails me talking to a practitioner or a academic about their work and my work and kind of things come out of that in a surprising way for me that feed back into my PhD. I'm at the stage now with my PhD where I've only got one more piece of practice to do. I say only one more piece of practice, it represents three months work, but it's the kind of the final bit of the jigsaw if you like, after which it will be a process of writing for six plus months my thesis. So the situation at the moment is coronavirus has delayed my final piece of practice. I haven't been able to get on with it because it's very difficult at the moment to talk to people in community radio. A lot of them are on skeleton crews or even completely shut down. Um, and the ones that are still um, going are voluntary led. The one that I happen to be working with for my final piece of practice is actually based in a hospital. So as you can imagine, it's quite difficult to logistically do things in a radio station which is based in a hospital when we were going through a period of like 40,000 people in hospital for coronavirus. Things are now easing on that front, whether temporarily or not, which makes it easier for me to actually do the practice. So I do have that lined up to start. Currently thinking, in May, I'll be getting my participants. That'll be either that'll be through um, the, the station itself and their kind of channels of media and social media, and also through Cornwall Mind, which is the mental health charity which I work with. Because of the impact of coronavirus, the UK Research Institution, which is the one that funds me indirectly, have decided that they will allow people who are in their second year of the PhD, which is me, when the the lockdown first occurred, to apply for funding extensions, and so. I have applied. I applied for a funding extension I, uh, for six months. I got a positive feedback in that that has been approved in theory. The, it's now down to how much money is left in the particular pot of money that I get my stipend from, how many months I will get up to six months. So I'm at the moment I'm also trying to allow, organise myself 
for various scenarios, including a full six months extension and no extension at all. So it, obviously there's a big difference there. So it might be that I end up using, having a few months where I don't have any funding where I'm still writing, or it might be that I can not relax exactly, but I'll have more time to kind of think and reflect and write and redraft. So obviously that is also a kind of a very stressful thing to be going through if you're not entirely sure how long we've got left. But on a positive note, the end is in sight. Um, I do have one more piece of practice to do. I have fed back a lot of the things that I've learned already into my practice. The practice is almost at a point of completion and then it will, it will be all about reflecting and writing and drawing the conclusions from the data, if you like, or the practice that I've completed. And so I was thinking, you know, initially, I will admit it came from a place of making my life easier, that it would be quite a nice exercise to interview myself about the things that I've learned during my PhD and, and the things that are coming up for me. And so that's what I decided to do. And here you go. So today I'm joined by Jerry Padfield, who is a PhD student at Falmouth University, and he's researching how to broaden participation in community radio amongst underrepresented groups. How do you feel your PhD has gone so far? Well, I think what's um, been interesting for me about the PhD process is, I mean, I've obviously done um, a master's and I've been at the university for quite a while and I've done research and stuff before entering the PhD. And also I've read you know, as you would do with someone with a curious mind, lots of things on the internet about what a PhD entails. But I still wasn't prepared for what a PhD is. And it's, you know, I'm still actually kind of not entirely sure um, exactly what a PhD is, I guess. Um, I think one of the best things for me to think about it is that you are a student, you know. I, it can be kind of... Um, it doesn't quite fit the, the what you do, the word student, um, when you're doing a PhD, but you know, you're paid, you're not exactly you know, going to lectures and stuff, but actually you are a student of how to be a researcher. So um, in that way, it kind of takes the pressure off the end product because um, you were not expected to be a fully, you know, a fully fledged researcher while you're doing your PhD. You're learning how to become one. And the thesis that you produce and the work that you produce is that of a student. Once you graduate um, from your PhD, you are then a, a kind of um, qualified researcher and the research you do after that will be informed by the work that you've done in your PhD. But when you're doing your PhD, you're finding your feet as a researcher. As a perfectionist, which is what I am and a lot of people who end up doing PhDs are um, by the very nature of a PhD, it's, I find that I found that easy to take the kind of what, the pressure off myself to know that I'm not I don't have to do research which is going to like you know blow the socks off everyone and win a Nobel Prize. You just have to do stuff which is new and you have to, and you're learning your craft if you like of being a researcher. Um, to answer the question, I think it's gone. I mean, I'm really pleased with how it's gone in many ways because um, I'm going to be published in books and art and journals. Um, I've managed to network with the Mexa Radio Studies Network and become early careers researcher development officer on that. You know, I'm kind of on schedule to finish within the kind of three-ish years mark, which not a lot of people do when they do their PhDs. So I, I didn't want to overgo my funding. I wanted to finish within the funding period. So on many levels, I think it's gone really well. I think if I have to focus on negatives, I would say, or even just kind of things to, for, to reflect on for other people who are thinking of doing a PhD, I would definitely say to pay a lot of attention to your mental health. 
I think um, it's very easy if you are of the mindset where which ends up with you doing a PhD to overwork and to not allow yourself time off and to th feel guilty if you're uh, not, you know, hammering away on a computer or in the lab or whatever sort of PhD you're doing. It's totally fine to not be doing sit down, concentrated, focused work. It's totally fine to be walking in the countryside, you know, give yourself at least a couple of days a week off. I try to do nine to five weekends free. Um, and there's a culture in academia that I've I've noticed amongst people, you know, people that I work with of accepting that you work on the weekends or accepting that, oh, it's there's a meeting at seven o'clock, but I have to go to it. I'm not entirely sure that I buy into that and I'm not entirely sure I'm willing to to buy into that enough to proceed in academia. But I think overall my PhD has gone as well as I could have hoped for. So what's next after your PhD? Uh, what's next? I'm not entirely sure. So what, like I just said, I'm not entirely sure I'm willing to make the compromises that are necessary to be an academic, which I mean, it's arguable whether you do have to do this stuff. I mean, but I can see that amongst the people that I work with, including people that I like and respect, they do, they kind of accept that you have to work on the weekends and you have to do pull all nighters and things like that, and you have to um, give up your free time effectively. Um, and I'm not sure I'm willing to do that. I think I want to be with my family and I want to be with my friends, and I and I need that actually, not that I want to, in order to to function as a human being and to be productive. So I think I'm probably going to do something, I wouldn't say completely different. I have a plan for a, a postdoctorate research um, project, which has been tentatively accepted as part of a podcasting thing, which I can't really talk too much about. Um, but that would be a sort of part-time thing, which I'm re relatively happy about because it would give me time to focus on other stuff. So I'm thinking I'm probably going to be doing two or three things at once, not necessarily related. I would really like to work in mental health um, because I think it's a it's a really needed b um, it's something that I enjoy and c because of my own history I think it, I really feel like I'd be giving back something and it would it kind of it's where where I want to be I believe so it possibly be something in mental health if I can find the work. What's gone wrong during your PhD? So wrong that's a very loaded word. I think what you, again, I think you have to look at it, it helps to look at it as just things that don't work out but are still valuable. So especially at the beginning of a PhD, you do all sorts of stuff and you, you follow up leads and you network with people and it doesn't necessarily go anywhere and you read all sorts of books and journals and stuff and they don't end up being included. But I don't think it's necessarily failure or going wrong necessarily. But it's more to do with stuff that you have to do that informs your work in a kind of oblique way or just it's stuff you have to try out. You know, doing a, a research project which disproves your hypothesis is still a valid research project. So because of the PhD process, especially in humanities and practice based stuff, you won't do something which fail, falls flat on its face. But you have to try little things that might fall flat on their face or don't pan out or for one reason or another or aren't practical but that's not failure that's that's just trying stuff out and that's stuff that you have to do as part of the process so i don't really look at things going wrong what has been most exciting about doing the phd 
I think what's been most exciting is it kind of it, it broadens your horizons in a way because it kind of opens doors um, unexpectedly because when you say, oh, I'm a PhD researcher to people, they're much more willing to kind of listen to what you say and collaborate with you on things uh, in a way that if you just say, oh, yeah, I'm me. It's allowed me to work with people and to kind of see how things work in a way that I wouldn't have expected. So what's been exciting is that the things that were unexpected, the things I didn't realise were going to happen, in my head I had the idea of a PhD as being a very hard master's project with a lot of writing. And I guess you could sum it up in that way. But actually it's been more about the people that I've met and talked to and um, interacted with that has opened my eyes to kind of things that I wouldn't have expected. So especially like working with the Mexa Radio Studies Network and being accepted into that and just seeing kind of the wheels of academia and how they work behind the scenes has has made me realise that actually there's not a lot you can't do, obviously within limitations, if you set your mind to it. So it's made me realise that I have all these skills that are transferable as part of doing the PhD. You end up becoming a good networker, I say this as an introvert, a good public speaker, um, obviously a good writer, which is not a skill that I particularly thought I had in myself, but obviously you have to be in order to write a PhD thesis and articles and things. Um, you, you're a good uh, teacher, well, a good practitioner in the field that you work, or your skills, you're a good researcher. You know, you end up with all these skills, which supposedly are to set you up to become an academic and so on. But actually, realistically, how many people these days can go on and become full-time academics? I would say not that many. But what these these all these skills are really valuable in the real world, whether it be for your career or job, or just for your hobbies or your passions or your life. So it gives you confidence in all sorts of areas that you you might not have before. And um, I realise that I'm without being big-headed. You know, I've got lots of skills in all these different areas so that I can tap into for things that I'm going to do in the future and that's that's quite exciting because it makes the future more exciting it, it I, I realize I have a lot of potential in a lot of areas and I could go off and do a lot of different things not just go and become a lecturer at a university um, so that's been exciting how is the practice going so yeah so that's a good one because this is a practice research PhD that I'm doing and so practice is obviously incredibly important um, and so the practice has been amazing. In, and again, it's been unexpected, the things that have taken off and the things that haven't. So I've dropped things that um, didn't quite pan out or weren't quite so successful. But say, for example, the Space to Speak Your Mind project, that has just flourished in a way that was completely, une well, not completely unexpected, because obviously I hoped it would work, but in a way that um, was exciting and unexpected. It, it raised 7,000 plus pounds. It was nominated for a community radio award. Much more important than that is that the people that got involved and the kind of content we've managed to create during the over the, like 18 months now that it's been going. And just, you know, these days, because it's kind of got its own feet and it's now being run by Cornwall Mind and, and somebody who's paid to facilitate it, I don't put in as much effort as I did when I initially got the thing going. And so sometimes I'll just tune into the radio and listen to it when it goes out every month. And I'll hear this or, or listen to the podcast when it gets um, uploaded and I'll hear this show go out about mental health and I'll think, you know, that's because of the project that I started. And there are all these people talking about lived experience mental health and engaging with these mental health organisations and this information's going out and it's being talked about. And, and that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for my PhD. And so that's 
really exciting. I think um, some of the things that I I came in with, which I thought would be the project, aren't still there, but they're not exactly in the huge way that I thought they would be. So I thought I was going to build a WebRTC application which would allow people to create um, radio shows remotely, live. Um, and that's not been... Oh, it's been a big aspect, but it's not as been as huge an aspect as I thought it would be. And obviously with the impact of coronavirus and everybody using WebRTC and Zoom and all of these things, um, it's kind of made it both incredibly relevant and timely, but also not... <laughs> people aren't so intimidated by it or even weirded out by it anymore. It's just a thing that everyone does now. So to answer the initial question, how is the practice going? It's going well and it's and it is informing my work. What's come out of the practice? The new knowledge, if you like, that's come out of the practice, this is interesting because I need to do this, you know, this is part of what practice research is about, is to interrogate the practice that you that you create or you perform or you practice um, in order to get the new knowledge. Um, you know, a PhD is all about new knowledge, so it's no good just making something really the best, you can make the best podcast the world's ever seen. Um, but unless it has value for creating new knowledge, it's not a PhD. So what's come out of the, the, the podcasting and the community radio work I've done is this knowledge about methods which work to um, increase inclusion. And I think it's this is something that's really timely. I think community radio, um, to talk about one aspect of my PhD, is, is a real hodgepodge. And so there are people doing incredibly good work about inclusion and um, and then there are ones who are not doing very good work at all about it. I would like to say that most, if not the vast majority of community radio stations are doing work with inclusion, including people from the community who wouldn't be on uh, traditional media, which is the whole point of community radio in the UK, or, or at least it was when it was uh, first set up. So that is exciting, and I've interviewed quite a few station managers, and you you talk to them, and you and I kind of get my passion back for community radio because I realise it is doing this stuff with people with disability and with people from ethnic minorities and and you know women and so on. But then also there's a kind of it's still you know overrun with the people who are already on traditional media, the people who already have a voice, uh, you know, the people who you see all over the terrestrial TV and radio, you know, it's so it needs more work and hopefully my PhD is is um, contributing to that in some way A by drawing attention to the fact that there needs more needs to be done and B by offering um, means by which that could be approached I know I'm not the only one obviously I think there's loads of really great people in community radio who are doing really good stuff towards making it more inclusive because they see the potential of it and so I think mine is just a small part of that process of make of realizing its full potential you know it's not there to allow the same people who already talk on bbc itv um, uh, commercial radio um, to have a voice it's there to allow people and to not even just to allow people but to help people so it needs active um, outreach to go out and get people on the air and the pro and that the way that the rewarding thing that is not just for the person who has the who talks on the radio or has a show on the radio but also for the audience and for the community in which they in which they live it's so um beneficial it it's a development it's cultural 
its social development of a community. I think there are very much very clear dangers at the moment for community radio because it's becoming the de facto local radio and it's becoming the de facto local commercial radio by default because local radio is disappearing because of the pressures of neoliberal capitalism and the fact that it's not making lots of money in the face of the internet. And that's a danger because it could just become bad or very hyper-local, let's not even be pejorative about it, commercial radio. And that's not something that interests me. I, I'm, I'm interested in the potential of allowing or helping people who have not traditionally had the airwaves the chance to speak. And obviously podcasting allows that because it has no gatekeepers and it has no kind of or very little equipment or barriers to participation. But also podcasting is a very diffuse, if you like, um, medium because it doesn't, you know, community radio, community radio speaks to a geographical or community of interest. And that's incredibly powerful, I believe. What would your advice be to a new PhD student? So I think what I would say to a new PhD student would be, well, firstly, before you start your PhD, go and have some fun, have a holiday, just get all the books, all the academia out of your head, and then approach it completely fresh and with a renewed vigour. And then I would say to take the pressure off yourself. And this is a long project. This is a, it's like they, like they always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're not going to get bonus points for... There's one of the problems about doing a PhD is normally you're somebody who's kind of excelled in in education before the PhD. But education before the PhD is all about grades and marks and doing well. And so you do your homework well when you're at school and you get 10 out of 10 instead of 7 out of 10 and you get a better grade. And that's the way the process works all the way up even to an, a master's where you get merit distinction pass or whatever particular system the university uses um so you're you're kind of the more the harder you work or the more kind of effort you put in the better the grade and and you even have to have a good grade to get, to get onto a phd course but then there's no grades in phd there's pass fail um and it's if you as long as you are still talking to your team you're it's very unlikely you're going to fail you just you so it, it's about the amount of time that it takes to do it so it's not about like oh if i really if you know if i get 5000 references in my bibliography rather than 500 i'm going to get a better mark or something you basically have to do a research project it's it's completely not like the rest of education but you have to be good at the rest of education in order to get on it so just realize that what you're about to do is not the same as what you've done before and therefore you have to approach it in a different way you have to approach it in a way of, you have to break it down. Um, what was very useful for me was this idea of backwards mapping. So all you need to do is get to the end place where you hand in your thesis, ready to do your defence, your viva, and pass, and, and there you go, there's your PhD. And along the way, you have a couple of checkpoints. They're called different things by different universities. So there's the first initial stage where you're... you're you develop your idea into a proper PhD and you hand you hand something in for that and you, you pass or fail that and then there's another kind of confirmation process where they confirm you as a as um, eligible to complete a PhD which is probably like a year 18 months in but other than that the the only goal is the end PhD and so for me it's useful to kind of break down everything along the way 
and backwards map towards it and set myself deadlines and even, you know, with your team, give them a deadline that you're going to hand something in and break it down into, say, like every month or every two or three months, you're, you've got something you're handing in, you're getting feedback, you know, because it's very easy if it's just three years and then you hand something in um, to lose track. And so this that will keep you on track. So that that would be a very useful piece of advice if I was starting again now was to know that to set myself these little deadline, mini deadlines, agree them with members of my team and hand something in along the way to keep in check. And I think I have done that, actually. I think, again, like I said earlier, I think it'd be very important to respect your mental health and respect your need for time off. Maybe even have a hobby, even if that hobby is finding walks in your area and going on a a walk every weekend away from computers. Switch off your phone. Spend Saturday, you know, on the cliffs by the sea, walking, you know, with friends or loved ones and not in touch via email. Turn off your email. If you have a functionality on your computer or your phone, then only allow your university email to, to, or only check your university email or forward it on between nine and five Monday to Friday. So you're not getting emails on the weekend saying, you know, call for papers or, you know, all these things. I think those are the two, actually, the main ones is to allow yourself that pressure off because the, if you're doing a PhD, it's more than likely that you're already going to be piling the pressure on yourself. You don't need advice about work hard or network over here or, you know, go to this conference or do all this stuff. The, the advice you probably need is you're doing OK. Just keep plugging away. Don't stress too much because all the other stuff will come. Thanks very much for listening to PhD Casting. That was a bit of an unusual one. Hopefully it was useful for you. It was useful for me. And I would love to hear from you if you get want to get in touch. Um, next time I'll be talking about quarter 11, which will be April to June 2021. And that will hopefully entail me starting the next leg of my practice. <laughs> <laughs>